and welcome into Husker Hangover, a Corn Husker Connection production. As always, I'm Brandon Shanahan here with you every Sunday, live on Twitter, and then posted every Monday on YouTube, Spotify, and wherever you enjoy your podcast. Another happy episode. We've gotten a lot of these recently, at least more than uh, if we had started this show in previous seasons. So that's the good news. Um, Huskers beat Northwestern. Hot dog. What a world. Um, just to kind of get this off the bat, I see some folks complaining about Nebraska winning ugly. And boy, it sure was ugly. But I got some bad. That's the only way this team can win. We don't have a good quarterback. All of our wide receivers and running backs that we started the year with and started pretty excited about are all gone. They've all gone poof. They're, they're all hurt. They're not there anymore. Offensive line, which even as slightly upgraded, is still pretty bad. Um, and then, you know, injuries have run and stole through that. So, yeah, if we're going to win any football games going forward, it's going to be ugly. It is what it is. So if you're not happy with this win, if you're not happy with winning ugly like that, then, I mean, I got some bad news for you. Um, it's not going to look any better than that. That is for sure. And, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to, you know, beat around the bush. It was ugly. Um, a couple of the bright spots. I've, I'm very excited that we now, for the first time in years, have, and knock on wood here, you know, have a kicker that, you know, we can – at least kind of game plan for um just Alvano hit a hit a 47 yarder i didn't even realize it was that far that's pretty great love me some tristan Alvano 47 yard plus uh, you know of course got 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 to be consistent but i mean he's been pretty good the last few games I, I gave him a lot of flack you know kind of you know i never meant to be like oh well tristan Alvano stinks i probably did actually say that word for word but um i'm happy with him um I mean, he's gotten better, which is, you know, a huge thing. And the fact that we're even confident enough to send him out there to kick a 47-yard field goal in a game where we're losing, you know, where we need the points, you know, that's outstanding. So I'm very excited about that. Um, uh, I'm going to talk about the quarterbacks here. And I got to I gotta throw out this disclaimer because otherwise I get put into this corner. Um, I So this disclaimer, I don't think Henrik Harburg is a good quarterback. I don't think he's particularly special in any any um, tangible way. Um, I think he's very big. I think he's athletic. I think he's got a strong arm. Um, but other than that, I don't think he's – if if Nebraska wasn't in this situation, I don't think he'd be the kind of guy that we'd want at quarterback. With that said, I don't think that there's a problem with him. I don't think – uh, so let me start with this. I don't think he was even kind of close to being the worst part of the offense yesterday or on Saturday, whenever you're listening to this. I, I, I don't think it was good. So let me, I have to just put this out in front of every sentence before Tyler and Brooke uh, put me in a corner with this. I don't think he was good. I just don't think he was the worst part of this offense. I think Thomas Fedoni had a rough game. You know, I've been very pro Fedoni. That was a stinker. Two drop passes like that um billy kemp fumbling the football before he got hurt um you're 180 pounds uh lowering the shoulders a silly move um offensive line didn't help him out a whole lot um but what i think was the real problem for me is the this feels lazy 
but the play calling early. I like I said, I don't think Henry Carter was very good. I think he was not put in a good situation to succeed on Saturday. I eventually I think they got there. I think they got with the 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 more running game, the option, the you know, putting the ball in his hands and telling him to go get some yards. I think that's where he that, that that's where he was good the first few weeks. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. I, I guess I don't know n- enough about offensive play calling because I've seen this with every Nebraska quarterback my entire life. Taylor Martinez was electric, tears up Kansas State for a million yards. And then they kind of same thing. And I and there's got to be something that I'm missing here. Because it happened to Taylor Martinez. It happened to Adrian Martinez. I'm sure it happened to Tommy Armstrong. At, and it's happening to Henrik Harburg. He's not a good thrower of the football. He's six foot five, but throws it from under his chest all the time. So he gets bad at the line of scrimmage, causes um, bad stuff to happen. Um, so having him go out there and throw the football as often and as early as he did, that's a problem. You can't do that. I guess I get like wanting to set him up in into a rhythm and and I don't know get him some confidence early, but that's not how you do it. That's not the that's not the winning formula. That's not you know our the, the Henry Carberg truthers will, will be like, well, he's four and one, and that's why he should be the starting quarterback. Uh but the formula is not have him dice up the offense. Have have him do a straight three step drop. Get him moving. Get him out of the pocket. Get him running downhill. He's six foot five. He's huge. Um, and especially with Jeff Sims healthy. I mean, so what's what's gonna happen if he gets hurt? Oh, well, then we just go back to Jeff Sims, who I don't think is that much worse of an option. Um, I think that that's yeah, and that, I don't think he's the, the biggest problem. Um, because I don't think if we're calling the game like that, if we're asking Henrik Harburg to win from the pocket, I don't think that Jeff Sims is in better shape to do that. I get, I'm yeah, I don't know. So like I said, I don't think he was the problem. He wasn't good. I have to put that out there. He wasn't good. I was not thrilled with how he played. Um, admittedly, there were probably times late in that game where I'm like, cause like I said last week, this is, what you can do when you give Harburg the start against Northwestern that I don't think is going to be a very good move if it's the reversed. I think what you can do with Henrik Harburg is that if things are really bad and things were teetering on really bad yesterday on Saturday, is that then you can kind of dip into the pocket and be like, oh, okay, well, now we can make a switch. Now we can get these guys, you know, maybe a spark, maybe a this or that. Um, you can only do that once. So I think that you have to save it. Um, and frankly, I don't think that this staff is going to do that. Um, so who should be the starting quarterback going forward is, I guess, the big question for Nebraska fans. And I have to put this disclaimer, and I'm going to say it 100 times during this episode, I don't think Henrik Harburg is very good. I, I, I'll walk that back even a little bit more. I don't think he's good at all. I think, especially the way that the game was being called yesterday, it was not built for him to succeed. Um, but even with that said, that first interception was horrible. 
you know, the, the reason why I bashed Jam Sim so much is because of those mental interceptions. That was a mental interception. I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know what I, I can excuse the, 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 the blindside strip sack. I can excuse to an extent balls getting tipped around and, and volleyed around. Then those turning into interceptions. I can excuse, you know, when you hit Thomas Fedoni right in the hands, bounces off, and then it goes right into the arms of Northwestern. I can excuse that. I can't excuse those mental turnovers. That's what, and that's why I was so critical about Jeff Sims with. And you know, I'm obviously trying to be consistent here and doing the same thing for Harburg. So that was bad. After that, I don't think he was a disaster. Um. And if I'm going to sell you on Henrik Harburg, take away that, that first play of the game. I don't know what that was. I can't excuse it. He also had a couple of real bad decisions against um, Northern Illinois or not or Northern Illinois or Standard Illinois um, in Champaign that I can't excuse. It. And if that's what we're going to see going forward, then yeah, throw Chef Sims back out there. But when the game was on the line, when... Nebraska's leading that game-winning drive. He didn't. He made a play. He hit Malachi Coleman deep. It worked out. He didn't throw. He didn't turn the ball over after that. And that, to me, is the difference. Is that yeah, his ceiling isn't very high. His ceiling's not even as high as Jeff Sims. But with the game on the line, so far what we've seen is that Henrik Harburg takes care of the football. That feels real icky to say because I don't I feel like I say stuff like that and then it's easy to be like, oh what about the first play of the game? I just said that I was bad. That's unacceptable. After that, he was fine. And guess what? That's that's all we need. That's all I'm I am okay with fine. It was a disaster early in that game. I think he settled into it. it wasn't good, but I think it was fine. And that's what matters is that taking care of the football when it matters. And I think that's exactly what he did. Sue me. And then, yeah, he, of course, he hit Malachi Coleman for that deep pass. By the way, deep pass that we haven't seen from Jeff Sims. We've seen Jeff Sims two times. He's been a disaster in both games. So I'm not in a hurry to, to make the swap now that we're already out of the bye week. I think if you wanted to make that swap coming out of the bye week, great. I think that's a good time to hit the reset button. If you really think Jeff Sims is that much better than Henrik Harburg, like the coaches who see him every day, I'm not talking about folks on Twitter. If the coaches think that Jeff Sims is that much better than Henrik Harburg and you make that change in the bye week, great. That is that is fine. In fact, for me personally, and there's video of this, I'm not just flip-flopping here. I said that's what I want, is I want Jeff Sims to be quarterback number one. I want him to be good because a good Jeff Sims is better than a good Henrik Harburg. So, um, but that ship is sailed. Now we're we're already back into another game week with another game coming up this week. I don't think that that's a winning formula. And like I said, I, I don't I haven't seen anything anything from Jeff Sims this year in Husker Red to indicate that he would he would have done any better. And you know, so far this coaching staff has stayed steady as far as. Whoever QB1 is going to the game, barring injury, is going to be the guy going forward. And I think that's exactly that's what should be the move against Purdue. Whoever started Saturday against Northwestern should be the starter against Purdue. So that's kind of where I'm at in that regard. 
All right. So what else happened? What else do we want to get into? Oh, boy. I was going to do this earlier when college football was fresh on my brain, but Spectrum went out for eight hours at least. It didn't come on to like five o'clock. So, yeah, I mean, 10 hours probably. So that's a bummer. Um, USC lost. That was a stinker. Um, here's a, I'm also seeing, oh, here's what I really want to talk about. I'll get into Caleb Williams here. How about that Iowa game? Holy smokes, that was awesome. Um, that was awesome. I mean, I talk about feeling just genuinely sick to my stomach in a world where I'm like, this can't, they can't keep doing this. There's that Jesse Pinkman video. You can't keep getting away with this. That's exactly how I felt. And I was genuinely ill in my stomach. Because I've seen, because Nebraska's on the opposite end of this. They've lost games because of late fourth quarter punt returns. They've lost games because of fluky block punts. One of those two Iowa, by the way. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what we're what we're talking about here. Because um, you don't deserve to win a game like that. Because I've seen so many football games where Nebraska outplays their opponents. Genuinely outplays them. And then one of two things go the other team's way, and then they lose. That's how football is. You don't win all. You don't win all the games. But on the flippity flop, I've seen so many instances of Iowa being outplayed, and then somehow winning the football game because of something like a punt return or a defensive touchdown or something that has nothing to do with. Who's the better football team? Just who gets a, a fluky play? And here's the rule. Any arm waving is a fair catch signal. If it's not a valid signal, then it's an invalid signal. Both kill the play at the point of the catch. What are we talking about here? What are we talking about? The rules are the rules. And that's clear cut. He was waving his arms the whole time. And here's the thing. I, I see a bunch of smooth brain folks out there who will go out and say, well, how come this isn't called all the time? Because typically when you wave your arms around, like you don't want anyone near the ball, you don't try to return it. I saw some Bozo quote tweet, like three other instances where he did the same thing, where he waved it off. He waved, he did his invalid first catch signal. What did they call that? Because he didn't try to return it then. What are we talking about? It's a weird rule. You don't see it. Um, you don't see it happen very often because typically when you wave your arms, you don't want to, nobody f gets to field the ball. That's why you don't see it very often. If, if you wanted to return it, maybe don't wave your arms around. So let's start there. Next point. You had two offensive yards in 30 minutes of football. Are you really telling me that you deserve to win a football game like that? So you're upset that you didn't win a game that you didn't deserve to win. Okay, gotcha. Heard, heard. Um, so that was outstanding. I'm pretty juiced about that. I mean, what a rush! I mean, my gosh, if I could harness that into a substance, that feeling, watching the official announce that he was wait bringing back the touchdown, if I could harness that into a substance, I'd never get anything done. That would be the death of me. I would be. Hooked. That was that's addicting. That is outstanding stuff. So that was great. Um, also with that loss, 
assuming that Minnesota doesn't win out and they still don't have to play Ohio State, I'd be willing to bet that it's pretty safe to say Minnesota is going to have at least one more conference loss. With Iowa losing yesterday, again, assuming Minnesota doesn't run the table, Nebraska controls their own destiny. It's not crazy. And here's the thing. Nebraska's going to Maryland, maybe not, depending on the next few weeks go. But there's an avenue where Nebraska is favored to win every single game going forward until they lose. So they're favored already against Purdue. Like I said, Maryland's a bit tough. I don't feel that great about, you know, if they were going, well, here's, okay, well, here's the thing is that by the time that it gets to Maryland at Michigan State, Michigan State looks like a train wreck. Um, so Nebraska, I think another win would be favored at Michigan State. And then you have a six and three Nebraska team hosting Maryland. Yeah, I think Nebraska gets favored there. At Wisconsin, maybe not, but now we have a seven and three Nebraska team. We have a seven and three Nebraska team going to Camp Randall. And between now and then, Wisconsin still plays Ohio State. And then they play at Indiana and then against Northwestern. So okay, yeah, probably not favorite there. Both seven and three teams. Wisconsin probably gets the nod. But that's not out of you know, that's not out of the realm of possibility. And then yeah, and what is that? Eight and three Nebraska team hosting Iowa. Nebraska's favorite there. I'm sorry, but it is what it is. If Nebraska gets rolling like that, we're not saying it's going to happen, but there's a path, and the path is ugly wins like this, where you may not have a 100-yard passer. You may have somebody who throws two interceptions in his first three pass attempts. But you find a way to win these games, and that's the difference between this regime and the previous, is that the previous regime couldn't figure out how to win these games. The scene this team talent-wise isn't that far off from the rest of the Big Ten West. It hasn't been for a while. Even during the seven-year skid, the talent's been par, at least. Um, but they just couldn't find a way to win, and now they're finding ways to win these games. So watch out. There's a path there. All Nebraska has to do is win all of their games. So it is what it is. Um, so USC got, got spanked again by Utah last night. Um just a quick preview for my better, worse, same segment coming up here. I was debating which column to put USC on. Um, I, for the most part, put them in the same as I thought. But the one thing I was wrong about is Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley losing to Utah three times in two years. That's impressive. It's impressive to beat any team three times in two years. That's pretty crazy. Especially a team like Utah, where I think it's on their on their third quarterback this season. You no, know, I'm seeing a lot of negative Caleb Williams' course. Now, granted, I am also very invested in Big Twelve Twitter, so Oklahoma State fans clown him because now it's like, well, Utah never beat Utah and Oklahoma State. Um, Oklahoma fans obviously are are taking their well earned victory laps. You know, Oklahoma's undefeated having a very clear path to the college football playoff, uh, USC's toast. Um, so there's that aspect of it. Um, obviously, the Emmanuel Acho tweet was insane, talking about how Caleb Williams should um, 
should forego the rest of his season and start getting ready for the NFL draft. That's insane. And here's where I'll defend Caleb Williams. Obviously, I think he's very fun to watch. If nothing else, he's fun to watch. But he gets clowned, I think, by those fan bases. So it's, you know, with the slant for being emotional. You know, there's several games where he's been photo photographed crying after or there's that still of him sitting on the bench and just in disbelief or disappointment or something. And he gets clowned for it. And I don't know why. Isn't that what you want out of your starting quarterback? Isn't that what you want out of your star? The face of your team is to get so invested in these games. And if they don't go your way, you're die. You're, you're devastated. Losing a mid-October game to Utah is devastating. That's inc- that, that's awesome to me. As you know, a fan who hopes to have him as their quarterback next year, I see that as such a win and such a honorable, honorable trait. Now he's also got his his stuff like his his nail polish last year. Not good optics, but man, you can just tell that he wants this. And he wants to keep competing at the highest level in college football. And that he's dialed in emotionally, at least. Um, the rest of the team has kind of been a letdown. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I'm just as high on Caleb Williams as ever. From, like, an emotional standpoint, I'd say. Football, I guess, hasn't been great back-to-back weeks where you lose games where you're pretty – where well, I guess they weren't favored against Notre Dame. But he looked really bad against Notre Dame. Looked a little bit less bad Saturday night against Utah, but nonetheless, um, yeah, I'm still very high on Caleb Williams. Also won't, um, you know, I'm not going to hop on that bandwagon. Now, if he did decide to forego the rest of the season, I'd say back everything I said. I don't think he will. He's a competitor. That's what I love about him. A couple of things um, to look forward to in the next week or so, new rankings. I'm going to have to redo my system. Um, I was actually pretty happy with it last week. I was like, well, I got my own unique system. It doesn't look like everybody else's, but I justify every single team. Um, where it was top tier is that you have a good win and you haven't struggled against inferior opponents. And then you don't have a good win, but you also haven't struggled against inferior opponents. And then you have a good win, but then you've struggled or no good win. And then you've struggled. Um, every team's now struggled. Oh, uh, I guess not Ohio State, so they'll be one. Uh, spoiler. Um, Oklahoma, Texas, they looked not very dialed in, especially coming off a of bye week. Specifically, I would imagine that you'd avoid the hangover sensation if you uh, if you have a whole week in between your emotional win or emotional loss and and whatnot. Houston definitely got hosed on the last spot, but I mean, kind of circle back to to my first on Nebraska rant. Don't let it come down to the officials. Tough stuff there. Um, But yeah, so there's a lot. There's one team now that I think has a really good win. Now has two of them. And has not struggled against inferior opponents to a real degree. Obviously, they didn't look great against Maryland. I get that. I've had people tell me that winning by 20 points still doesn't quite compare to scoring one touchdown against Arizona State. So 
we'll see how that goes. Let's get into better, worse, same. So we talk about who's better than I thought, who's worse than I thought, and who's, you know, who did I get right? Better, Missouri. What the heck, man? I mean, they're actually good. Like, not just, like, good, like, in the SEC East where they get a kind of feast on an extra non-conference game. Um and then feast on teams like Kentucky and South Carolina. No, they're actually good. And granted, that non-conference game that I clowned the SEC for, they went and scheduled the Big 12 champion, Kansas State, and beat them up. Not beat them up, but they beat them. They, they won that game when you could have played Kansas Tech, A&M, whatever. Um, so hats off to Missouri. They are definitely way better than I thought. I haven't gotten to see a whole lot of them, but they're cruising. They're cruising. I guess we'll see when they play Michigan here. Also, I'm rewatching Breaking Bad. We just got to the episode where Jane dies. Um, it so shows like that are so much more sad to me watching them a second time because like I know what's gonna happen. Like I noticed that there's a couple of instances where Jane was warning Jesse, like, hey, don't fall asleep on your back uh, so you don't throw up in your sleep. Um, and there are two instances where, where somebody met, pointed that out. I'm like, I already know what's going to happen here. Ah, so sad. Um, I, I also did the same thing watching Better Call Saul, where, like, I, I would watch the relationship with Howard Hamlin and Jimmy disintegrate over time, and, like, man... It's so much more sad knowing how this ends and knowing how far out of line things things went. So that's that, that's hard stuff. So I mean, that's kind of what, what I'm going through here with with better uh, Breaking Bad. Excuse me. Yes. Yeah, so let's see. You're pulling up seven and one. That's that's legit, man. I mean, that's that's not nothing. I mean, a loss to LSU. How good is LSU now? Six and two. Okay, that's that's pretty good. But here's the thing. Georgia's up next for him. November fourth, that's Oh, so Missouri's going into a bye. Georgia's playing Florida. Georgia, to me, well, I say this, and then they're going to go roll Missouri and prove everything wrong. I, I said wrong, but they haven't looked that great against teams like South Carolina, who Missouri just beat up on pretty well. Let's see here. Missouri beat South Carolina 34-12. to also, very easily could have put South Carolina on my worst. Then, boy, they stink two and five with wins against Furman and Mississippi State. So, and Georgia beat them 24 14. So, I mean, pretty comparable scores against the similar teams. So, watch out for Missouri. Well, I mean, I'd be, I'd be pretty excited. I think it would be very funny if the downfall of the SEC that I've been praying for for a decade now. Um, comes at the hands of Missouri, of all teams. So that's pretty cool. 
Virginia better than I thought. Now, granted, they're still not good, but to go out and, and beat North Carolina in the way that they did, I think is very impressive. Um, and I kind of talked about it preseason. Um, I think that they're going to be, I think they're trending in the right direction. I think they're absolutely trending in the right direction as a program. I guess I probably could have even put this in my same, like I, I didn't have them beating North Carolina. That's, that's why I didn't put them there, but they, they played them really well. I mean, typically you see a lot of fluky stuff happening in a game like that, but no, I thought they played well or efficient on third down, good on fourth down, had more rushing yards, 200 passing yards, just fine. 436 yards. Um, got two sacks, didn't turn the ball over a ton. You know, kept Drake May off the field. Time of possession, they were awesome. They were awesome. Um, also, better than I thought, Kansas State, which is weird because I I was very high on Kansas State coming into the season. And then I kind of bailed on them early, especially after losing to Missouri. I'm like, that's a game that you got to win. And they didn't. And now I'm like, I don't know if they're the real deal. Well, Howard had a couple of weeks where he looked pretty bad, especially in that loss against Oklahoma State. Um, but I'll also say this about Kansas State. I think this is the best example of having a two-quarterback system. And where I think people get the two-quarterback system wrong is that you think that you have a running guy who comes in and runs the football, and then you have a passing guy who comes in and passes the football. But there's got to be a good amount of overlap there. They got to be able to do both things at least well enough to have to account for it. Because in the first few games, whenever Avery Johnson would go out there, he would be the running quarterback. Like, all right, well, let's just stack the box and like, we'll deal with man coverage on the backside and deal with him as a runner. But, and it's very intentional to see how CK has done it there, but the ability to, set him up to be successful as a passer. Now he's not going to sit back in the pocket and dice you up like Nebraska is trying to do with Henrik Harbert for some reason, but he's a good enough passer. It's like, okay, well we can't just leave this guy out one-on-one on the, on the perimeter. You know, he can, he can sling it. He might not be ready to, you know, fully facilitate the offense through the air as Will Howard does, but that's what Will Howard can do. Will Howard can come in, kind of facilitate, you know, those pass heavy drives. And then also Will Howard's also a good athlete. So it takes a whole lot of weight off of Will Howard's shoulders. Avery Johnson can come in and be special in small doses. Will Howard's still very capable of, you know, kind of facilitating the, the other stuff. So, I mean, I'm really excited about Kansas State. And I'll also say this about Kansas State. They, um, they, they run their own destiny. They could absolutely win out. They're going to be favored against Houston. Play at Texas. You got to pull off an upset against Texas in this scenario. But then you're going to be favored against Baylor, favored against Kansas, favored against Iowa State. So at worst, if you win the games that you are favored in, you're going to finish nine and three, get a good bowl game uh, for an opportunity for a tenth win. You know, get to officially pass the torch to Avery Johnson in the in the off season, and they're looking really good. They're looking really good as long as you know something weird doesn't happen, like CK going to Michigan State, which I don't think. I don't think that'd be a good. Will it happen? I don't know. Obviously, I didn't think Mel Tucker to Michigan State was going to be a good move for him. And 
you know, I was right about that one. Teams that are worse than I thought, also shout out South Carolina. They stink. Arkansas, man, what happened? What happened, man? They stink. They stink. And, I mean, they're not – stink is a good word for them because they're not very bad. It's not like – it's not like South Carolina where South Carolina is very bad. I, I can see things almost work for Arkansas. But it just doesn't, you know. And they, they've played Alabama really well last week. They <laughs> They held Mississippi State to seven points. Not as impressive when you yourself only score three points, but man, that stinks. I was really excited about them. You know, I think at some point this week I'll try to, you know, do like a, uh, I don't know, go through some of my preseason picks and be like, where were we really off on here? Where were we really wrong on here? You know, where were we about center? Arkansas might be one of my biggest misses of this season. They were pretty bad. I was also very, you know, very um, pessimistic about Colorado when it finally came down to put wins and losses on paper. So that's not going to look great. Although they still might only finish with five. Well, I think I only had them winning two games. So that's tough. Look, um, the Big Ten, boy, you know, I feel like I got to call this one fairly. I, I, um, I bash the SEC because they don't actually play defense. Foreshadowing for the SEC tile there. I, I bash on the SEC because they don't play defense. I now I gotta bash the Big Ten for not playing offense. This this stinks. I mean, they stink. Now Ohio State Penn State game, I think is gonna get chalked up as just a great defensive battle, kind of getting the same benefit of the doubt that the SEC has gotten for a millennia at this point. But man, it just looked bad. Drew Aller looked bad. Kyle McCord didn't look good. Uh, I will also say this, so I think if if yesterday was the world where Ohio State's defense was just really good, that's how you beat Michigan. Because the thing with Michigan is that they've gotten to beat up on Ohio State the last couple of years because they've had flashers. They've had flash. They had CJ Stroud. They had Marvin Harrison Jr. last year or Maserati Marv, who they still have, which I guess is, you know, a mute point. Chris Olave, they wanted to, you know, CJ Stroud threw for 450 yards against Georgia. Of course, he's that's the game plan. That's not the game plan this year. And now it's just a matter of who does it better. And year over year, historically, Ohio State's been the benefactor. And and doing whatever they wanted to do very well. So it seems like Michigan had set up this very specific formula to beat Ohio State. Granted, this very specific formula couldn't compete with Georgia, couldn't beat TCU, but it beats Ohio State, so it is what it is. Um, but if Ohio State has the same formula, but it's just better because it's Ohio State, watch out. So I think that'll be interesting to watch. Florida State... Florida State, man, I that game wasn't very good for them. Riley Leonard, A, wasn't healthy and then didn't even play most of the second half. They've struggled against teams like Virginia and Boston College, who stink. 
and they're still probably going to go undefeated. And then they're going to play a team like Louisville or North Carolina, maybe. So we'll see. But they're definitely... I, As somebody who has a show with somebody who is preaching how great Florida State is and how great Florida Jordan Travis is, who have shown flashes of really actually being great. The LSU win is aging a little bit better than we had thought, you know, a few weeks ago. But if they match up with a team like Georgia or Michigan, I don't think that they're going to look very competitive. I think then against Texas or Oklahoma, sure. Against Washington, sure. But Michigan and Georgia, I think, would, and Ohio State, for that matter, I think they would run circles around them. So that's kind of where my gripe is. But I guess, I don't know, they probably don't deserve to be in this tier, but they are really good. Um, And, you know, coming in, yeah, you know what? Yeah, this is probably a miss on my end. Because coming into the season, with my, my thing with Florida State is I, I see the things that are coming together really well for them. But I just got to see it. I got to see it against LSU. I got to see it against Clemson. I've seen it against LSU and Clemson now. So I don't know. Better up there. USC. Probably one of my boldest takes in the offseason was USC, A, not making it to the conference championship game, and B, not, and B, losing three games. I predicted this back in September. Now, I, now I, I've missed a couple of games. So I, I thought that they would beat Notre Dame, and then I thought they would beat Utah, and then I thought, or, or no, did I have them beating? Notre Dame, I'm, I might not have. Let me take a look here. Because I know I had them losing to UCLA. And then I'm pretty sure I had them losing to either Oregon or Washington. Maybe both. So I had them beating Notre Dame, yes. And then losing, oh boy, yeah, this is, we're losing three straights to, fit, to wrap up the season. So here's how I anticipated it going. I figured that they'd scrape by Notre Dame. I figured they'd scrape by Utah. Just law of averages. I mean, what are the odds that you beat Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams three times in a year? I was wrong. Um, and then losing versus Washington. Losing at Oregon. Because now you got to go on the road after that tough loss against Oregon, who probably has their eyes set on a Pac-12 championship. Um, and then losing against UCLA because you're just you're just drained. Nine consecutive weeks where you play Power 5 teams, including f- five ranked teams. Six. Notre Dame, Washington, Utah, Oregon, UCLA maybe. So that's a tough stretch. I figured they'd lose three three games. That's looking a lot better. <laughs> I didn't feel great about it. I, was like, I, I just feel like the the schedule more than anything is. And now they're just not that good of a football team. So it is what it is. Alabama, um, that color is a little bit off. I think that's a purple when I was supposed to be in maroon. But Alabama, I had going 11-1, going to the SEC championship game. Not because I think this is a particularly strong Alabama team, but I think that they're going to get over hurdles like Tennessee. Granted, I had them beating Texas and then losing to Texas A&M. So how he got here isn't quite quite on the nose, but 11-1 seems very likely for Alabama. 
Um, and then last one, I, I'm right about, as I'm always right about, the SEC doesn't play defense. I think we saw that with kind of how the Big Ten plays and then how the SEC plays. One conference doesn't play offense. One conference doesn't play defense. I've been telling you the SEC doesn't play defense for a while. But that's all I got here. So lots of good stuff coming up this week. We'll have a couple of episodes of Corners Connection coming out as early as Tuesday. Um, back to, you know, regular schedule after the Sprinkle Wedding. Excited to hear from him to see what it's like as a newly married man. We'll get to talk to him later on this week. Uh, daily college football content coming to you on Corner Connection. And as always, we go live Sundays, talk about the Nebraska game, talk about the rest of college football. And then we starting on Sundays, um, we get college football, every, college football content every single day. So don't miss out.